good morning. We do appreciate you being here, and we do encourage men, go to the retreat. There's a great opportunities for you to meet other guys. There's a great opportunity. We're going to talk today about fellowship and koinonia and what that means, and that would be a place where you can go and you can uh, uh, lock arms, as the men always say, with other guys, and uh, you can meet some people, some friends that you can really walk through life with. We encourage you to do that. A couple of announcements before we look at God's Word. One, uh, there's been this great thing in the children's ministry. There are a lot of good things going on in the children's ministry, but one of the things they had in the last few weeks, they encouraged or challenged K through 4 to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And about, a not about, 125 of our kids, K through 4, memorize the Lord's Prayer. We think that's pretty cool. <clears throat> and that just gets them started, we pray, on memorizing. And when, if you can get your kids memorizing Scripture, that's when their minds can really absorb it. The second thing uh, we want to let you know is a baby bottle campaign. We've been working with the baby bottle campaign for a lot of years. Back in 2012, uh, 13, a little data here, 22,000 uh, together, we raised $22,200, and then 2014, 226, and then 2015, had a little dip, 19, uh, 6, and then 2017, back up, 27, 2017, 29, 2018, 26, a little dip. I want, hold up, this year, working together, first year with choices. We raised together $30,600. So we're very excited about that. We thank you for doing that. It's always amazing what we can do together, isn't it? We also want to remind you, I was at the mall with Laura yesterday, and uh, we ran into this great young couple, and they said, hey, we go to the Bible chapel, and as we were going down the escalators... Um, this guy said, I'm going to the baptism class. I'm going to be baptized on celebration weekend. And I thought, man, that's fantastic. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized as a believer, baptism does not make you a Christian, more of a Christian, or complete your Christianity. But if you've not been baptized as a believer, we encourage you to do that. You can look in your programs and you can see the classes that are going to be offered. We encourage you to do that in obedience to the Lord's command. Now, you don't have to do a video, all right? So that freaks some people out. I get that. You don't have to do a video, but it's Jesus who tells us to be baptized. So we encourage you to follow uh, that obedience from him. And then one more thing. Yes, on Friday, uh, we had a great group of people uh, go through um, some planning sessions. Uh, if you've been here a while, you know we're going through that. February 22nd on Friday was a, an all-day session. We want to thank about 160 people there, and we had a great time together. We'll be communicating to you next steps. Thanks for everyone who came. I know some of you wanted to be there and you couldn't, but everyone can be involved in the next steps, and we'll be communicating that. All right, let's pray before we open God's Word. Father, we thank you that you're a God who knows us intimately, and you still love us. You know what we think before we think it. Before there's a word on our lip, you know what it is. You know the depths of our heart. You know the depths of our sin. You know the places that are hard and we keep hidden from others for sure. Sometimes, Lord, even even from ourselves, or we try. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us today as only you can do. We pray that you would be the one who moves our hearts because you're the only one who can do that. 
And we pray you would take your powerful word and that you would drive it home into our minds and then our hearts. And Lord, help us not leave here today uh, with more information, but help us to leave here today changed by you, the eternal God. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes to dream with me before we look into God's Word. And I want you to dream with me about a future. We have a great past here at the Bible Chapel. 1964, we had families come and start this church. Many of them took out second mortgages so they could rent first and then buy. We've had people give and sacrifice and serve, use their gifts and passion through many years. And now here we are, and it's our time not only to serve, but to dream. We want to dream about what we want to become. What do we want to be when we're not here anymore? What do we want the Bible Chapel to look like when we're long gone? Because in order for us to have a church as a biblical church in the future, it has to start today. This is simple stuff, but here are three things I dream about when I think about our church and what it could be. Wouldn't it be great if this could be a place where every seeker came to find Jesus? Every seeker. Where every believer grew deep and rooted in their, in their faith. And where every person, regardless of whether you're a member or not a member in a life group or not in a life group, wherever you come from, whatever you're going through, every person found this to be a place where you belong and you're cared for. Wouldn't it be great if we were a place known in this area for those seeking Christ to say, if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, and if you want to see a bunch of people doing it, you head to the Bible chapel. Now, we get it. We know our theology. We know that no one seeks after God on his or her own. So it's God working in the heart. We get that. But it's amazing that God gives us the privilege, right, to share the message of the gospel with people. He uses us as human instruments for his supernatural work. And so we want to be a place where everyone can come and ask questions and come to find Jesus. We also want to be a place where people are growing deeper. Think about what that would mean. Think about what that would mean to our church community. Think about what that would mean in our giving. Think about what that would mean in our service. Think about what that would mean in relationships. Think about what that would mean with marriages. With marriages. Think about what it would mean if people were growing deeper. When we had celebration weekends, wouldn't it be cool to have baptisms till 2 or 3 in the afternoon and not even break for lunch? With a few videos here and there, but not all. <laughs> because people were growing deeper. So we have this new people coming in. They're babies. They're brand new in the faith, and infants make a lot of messes, right? But we have these people here, and they understand that their job is to mentor and grow themselves and then others. Wouldn't it be cool if we were a place where every person felt cared for? Every person. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been here. 
every person felt this, this significant care. And he felt a place where you, you belonged. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John. We want to go through the first four verses of John. And we want to focus on this aspect of connect. Our five essentials, uh, we say a growing believer are involved in these five essentials are word, worship, connect, serve, share. And these are also our core values of the Bible chapel. These are kind of the pillars that we stand on. And I want us to see as we go through 1 John that 1 John really focuses on connect. What's it like to do life together? What do you have to do to do life together in a significant way, in a meaningful way, in a purposeful way? That's what John wants to tell us. Now, as we go through these first four verses today, I want to set the context a bit. When Paul writes his passage, his books, he always says, his letters, he always says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the saints in Ephesus, right? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ to the saints in first or in Corinth. But when John writes, remember John's personality? John is a black and white person. He, he doesn't have time for introductions. He wants to get right into it, and we're going to see he never says, I'm John writing to you. He just gets right into his message. The other thing we're going to see is there were some heresy there was heresy going on during that time. We'll look at a couple of schools of heresy in a little bit. And so John, he wants people to know. Remember, he's about 80 years old now. He's an elder statesman. He has, he has street cred. And he wants people to know that he saw Jesus, that he heard Jesus, that he touched Jesus. So here we go. John chapter 1, 1 through 4. Let me read it, and then we'll go back and look at each verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship, there's our word we're going to focus on, fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we write, are writing these things so that our joy, or another version, your joy, may be complete. Now, when you're looking at a passage of Scripture and you're studying it, the first thing you need to do is get a big picture. But as you start to dive into it, there are decisions you have to make. Sometimes, some passages are like straightforward. No decisions need to be made. You know what it says. You know what you have to do to apply it. But there are some passages where a couple decisions need to be made, and 1 John 1 is one of those verses. The first thing we have to look at in 1 John 1 is, what is John talking about with word of life? Now, if you uh, use the ESV, the English Standard Version, like I do. How many of you use the ESV? You'll notice that it's on the screen, word is not capitalized. And so the translators of the ESV, along with many commentators in the ages, have come to understand that word of life is talking about the message of the gospel, the words that 
result in life. Make sense? If you take it, word of life, the message of the gospel, then that which was from the beginning means when Jesus came and he began his earthly ministry. And so John, establishing the historical Jesus, those who take this view, would say he is talking about when Jesus came and started teaching and preaching. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. All that's true. Nothing wrong with these two interpretations. How many of you use the NIV? When you read that verse, what did you see? The word is capitalized. And so the NIV and many other commentators, and I believe this too, John is talking about not the message of Jesus. That's included in who Jesus is, but he's talking about who? Jesus, the word of life. And if you're talking about the word of life, then you have to go back to this first phrase, that which is from the beginning is talking about Jesus who was with God in the beginning, the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, I believe that should be the interpretation. For one reason, that's how John talks. We learn that from his gospel. Remember, First John, or the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was what? The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing has been made without Him. John goes on to say, all things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything was made was a thing made that was made. That's why the ASV is kind of hard to read sometimes. I can't, I can't. Anyway, uh, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, the Word of life. So in Jesus... John is saying, I believe, he is the fountain of life, physical life, moral life, eternal life. He's the principle and source of life. Now, it's interesting that when John says that, he goes into this personal testimony. I saw him. I believed him. I trusted him. I followed him. I even touched him. Why is that so important for John? Remember, John gets right to the point. Remember his personality we saw last time? He's the guy that calls, wants to call fire down from heaven when, and burn up the Samaritans when they don't want to accept Jesus. He gets right to the point. And during his time in this day, writing, he's writing from Ephesus. He's probably writing to the seven churches of Revelation, or at least that area. And in that time, in the early church, and still today, there was false teaching. There were two basic schools of false teaching during this time. These developed later on. One was called Gnosticism. We read about this in Galatians and other uh, uh, books of the Bible. Gnosticism, the Greek word Gnosis means no. And a Gnostic, we're still Gnostics today, basically believe in this simple uh, premise. Again, there's a lot of layers to it, but just very simply, Gnosticism, spiritual things are good, material things are bad. Spirit good, material things bad. So that's why a Gnostic would say, wait, Jesus could not be the Christ. Jesus could not be the Messiah because he walked on earth. He took on flesh. Flesh is bad. God and, God and evil don't go together. So Jesus could not have been the Messiah. So John is saying, oh, time out. We saw him. We walked with him. We touched him. There's another uh, group called Docetism. 
And again, very simply, Docetism says Jesus' humanity was not real. He only appeared to have a physical body. Now, I don't know how all that works, but he wasn't real. He just appeared to have a physical body. And John says, baloney on that. We touched him. We felt him. It was real. It wasn't an appearance. He was real. There was one guy during this time, and it was called the heresy of uh, Corinthus. And some commentators say that John actually wrote against this guy. This guy died around 100 AD. John was writing against this guy. In fact, some say he wrote his gospel as a rebuttal to this guy, Serenthus. And Serenthus said this, Jesus was, was, was just a man, right? He came to earth, just a man. Then at, at his baptism, the spirit descended on him, So you have God kind of living in, in him. So he, he was just a man. God came and lived in him in the form of a dove. He came at his uh, baptism. And then right before he was crucified, he left him because God couldn't hang on the cross. And so John says, hey, time out. I want to tell you about Jesus. I don't want to get apologetical. I don't want it up here. Personally, I saw him. I walked with him. I heard him teach. There was never a teacher like him. I watched one time where he took water and he turned it into wine. I was with him one time when uh, there was a guy on a mat for 38 years and he just said, get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked. I was with him one time where he touched a blind man's eyes and the guy could see. I was with him one time when he told a guy to come out of the grave and that guy came out of the grave. I touched him. I interacted with him. I was on the road with him. And then he died and he raised from the dead. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Jesus said, see my hands and my feet that it is I. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. That's the resurrected body. And that's a whole other sermon we could get into, right? But the resurrected body, Jesus said, you can touch me and feel me. John says, I touched him. He is real. He's the word of life. He's the source of all life. Now, verse 2 is interesting because if you'll notice at verse one, after verse 1, you have this Right, a little dash, and then after you have a dash. And so another way we could look at verse 2 is parenthetical. It's kind of in a parenthesis, right? So John in verse 2 is just taking a time out from his thought, and he's describing the word of life. If you want a definition for the word of life, here's John's definition in verse 2. The word of life, okay, time out. Let me explain that, John says. The life was made manifest. It came to be and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim it to you, this eternal life. So you see, this life about Jesus, this is not about just the here and now. This is about forever, eternal life. And that eternal life came from the Father and was made manifest to us because Jesus was always with God. In fact, Jesus was God. And now, verse 3. 
So parenthetical verse 2. So now he continues, that which was from the beginning, which we've seen and heard, which we've seen with our eyes, we looked upon and we touched with our hands concerning the word of life. I had that little explanation in verse 2. I'm going to continue my thought. That which he picks up, we have seen and heard. He's reviewing what he did in verse 1. We've seen and heard. We proclaim also to you. And here's the reason. Here's the first reason I wrote this thing. So that you too may have what? Fellowship, say it together with me, fellowship, and indeed our fellowship, repeats, is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to spend our time there. The word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. It is a rich, rich word. The base word of koinonia is koinos, which means common, and koinonia means a common participation, uh, an interaction together. It's not about friendship that could be a part of that. It's not about hanging out with people, not with people you like. Fellowship is what every believer has together. Every believer has a modicum of fellowship. Now, we develop that fellowship, and we enhance that fellowship, and we grow that fellowship. But if you are a believer, we all have this in common, right? Koinos, in common, we have Jesus. There was a day all kinds of different testimonies, but there was a day when Jesus interrupted our life and he broke in and we started following him. He let us know of our sin and we turned around, we repented of our sin and we started following him. He did all the work, but we have that in common. If you're a believer here, we have that in common. And so koinonia, think of koinonia in two ways. First of all, it is vertical. It has to start with the heavenly. By the, by the way, this is why you don't, young people, you don't marry a non-believer. You can have a relationship. You can have kids together. But you can never have spiritual intimacy because that starts with Jesus. Always starts with Jesus and then koinonia vertical and then horizontal is with each other. So let's think of it this way. Koinonia, koinonia begins, is initiated by God. It's initiated by God. It is purchased by Jesus. It is experienced by the Holy Spirit. And it's expressed among believers. I jumped ahead of my notes. Initiated by God, purchased by Jesus, experienced by the Holy Spirit, and expressed among believers. Now, here's what I want to do. Take out your sermon notes. What I want to do is to go over the first part of Koinonia has two parts, how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. So I want to start with how we relate to God. And I want to go over the gospel message. For some of you, this will just be a review. For some of you, you may be hearing it for the first time. For all of us, I want us to understand it. And if you're a believer, your assignment is this. In the next month, you need to share it with someone. Okay? And you need to begin to pray right now. Who's that person going to be? Maybe it's a person I've never met before. Wouldn't that be an adventure? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? 
Maybe it's a person I know of right now in my family or school or work. I need to be sharing the gospel with that person. Now, there are a lot of ways you can share the gospel, but here are the four major points that need to be in your gospel message. The first one was this, everyone is a what? A sinner. No one seeks God. No one's good enough for God. We've all turned from God. All have sinned. Romans 3.23. No distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. That's where we have to start. If a person doesn't admit they're a sinner, then they don't need a Savior. And it's only God working in their heart for them to realize they're a sinner. Anytime there's a seeker, that just means God's been working in their heart. There was a, we'll talk more about this, but there was a heresy back in the New Testament. A guy named Pelagius said, yeah, 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 it's about Jesus, but you have to kind of walk toward Jesus, and then when you get over here, then Jesus saves you. And it became the heresy of Pelagianism. You don't have, you can't, Ephesians 2 says what? You're a spiritual corpse. A corpse doesn't move. And so it's God who breathes life into you to say, I believe. It's God at work in you to realize you're a sinner. And so when we share that with someone, we're praying that God is at work in our life. We just get to be the ones who deliver the message. God's already doing his supernatural work. Does that make sense? So the pressure's off. You can't manipulate anyone. Your illustrations can't be the one that says, oh, my goodness, if I had heard that before, I would have trusted in Jesus. Jesus is the one working in that person, and we just get the privilege of sharing the message. So you're a sinner, number two. The outcome of being a sinner is, is what? Is death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. When you think of death, think of separation. When we think of death, right, death is what? The body is separated from the soul. Spiritual death, we are separated from God. Eternal death, we are separated from God forever. So the wages of sin is death. Again, a lot of ways you can share the gospel. Here are the four things. Number three, you're a sinner. Wages of sin is death. Jesus died for you. Jesus came to do what you couldn't do for yourself. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but aren't you thankful for that? The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Another great verse you can put there is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Last one, fellowship with the Father is through his Son, Jesus Christ. It has to be through Jesus. Jesus is not a good way or one of many ways. He is it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. If you've not trusted in, if you've not done that, if you've not trusted in Christ and God's working in your heart, afterwards there are going to be those of us up here for you to pray with. We'd love to pray with you. If you don't want to come down here, call us, email us. We'll meet with you one-on-one. That's the most important thing. This is the difference between eternity with God in heaven and eternity without God in hell. And I don't know of anything more important. 
So we're here to talk about that with you. If you know this, then you got to share it with other people because it's the most, it's, it's, it's more important than the coolest restaurant you've been to. It's more important than that new car you got and how cool it is and you want to tell everybody about it. We're talking about eternal life. So who are you going to share the message of eternal life with in the next month? That should be your prayer. That's our prayer. When we think about the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and what they do, right? One God in three persons, different responsibilities, if we could say it like that. There's a great verse, 2 Corinthians 3.14, that kind of explains that. This is the last verse of 2 Corinthians, the benediction. And Paul wraps it up like this. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to give us that fellowship with the eternal God. And the love of God, for God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only son. And then here's the beauty. The fellowship of who? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and allows us to have fellowship, koinonia, with God. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to have koinonia with each other. Initiated by God. Fellowship is initiated by God. Purchased by Jesus. Experienced by the Holy Spirit and expressed among believers. So let's think about that. Here we are. We have this commonality in Jesus, and we come together. Man, different personalities, different likes, different backgrounds. Some of you want the music louder. Some of you want it softer. Some of you want this song. Some of you want that song. Some of you like this, and some of you like that. It's crazy, isn't it? But we have this one thing in common. We all love Jesus. And he's brought us together in a little messy place. So let's think about what would it be like? What would it be like if we were allowing the Spirit to really express true koinonia to each other? This is the church we could become. Okay, what I'm going to do now is... I'm going to summarize 59 passages of Scripture. We'll be out by one or two, somewhere around in there. I put every one of those passages on your notes so you can look at them on your own. I encourage you to do that. They're called the one another passages. There are many passages in Scripture where here's how we're told to work with one another. Here's what we're told to do with one another. But sometimes... There's this red flag, and the writer, inspired by God, says, one another. Here are the 59 one another passages. So let me just summarize them quickly. A biblical, a biblical place of fellowship is a place where you should never feel alone. When you walk in here and you're a Christian, we have something in common. You should never feel alone. Fellowship and cliques don't go together, whether you're 6, 16, or 60. They just don't work. A place where you can always belong, regardless of your job, 
regardless of your status, regardless of the house you left to come here, regardless of the car you drove here. It doesn't matter because we have that commonality in Jesus under the cross. We are all children of the Heavenly Father. You should never feel alone. Four times, four times in the New Testament it says, greet one another. When you come in, when you gather to get, greet one another with the holy kiss. Now, don't do the kiss thing here. That is weird. <laughs> That's for the New Testament. That was their culture. But a handshake would be great, right? Looking in someone's eyes and saying, we are glad you are here. Thanks for coming. Can I sit with you? Brand new here? Can I sit with you? So Cammy, maybe here, I don't know. Cammy, is are you over there? Cammy's right there. Cammy was telling a story on Friday. She came by herself, and she, uh, she sat down, and um, she came for a little bit, and then she was gone a couple Sundays, and then she came back, and someone, three rows back, said, hey, where you been? We missed you. Who was the person, Cammie? I, I, I think her name was Terry. I don't remember. She moved away. I came back because she knew I was gone. She never mentioned the preaching. That really irritated me. <laughs> Wasn't even in the conversation. I just kept the conversation going, thinking maybe, uh, you know, but never heard it. There's no program for that. We can't hire enough staff for that. That's on us. So look around. Maybe you're the person who keeps a person here. And Cammie's doing tremendous things in our church now. Tremendous service. A guy named Lyle lives four houses down from me. To my shame, I never met him. Six days a week, I run by his house ten times. I saw him outside sometimes, but when I'm running, I don't stop. That's another problem. This is confession time. And Lyle, uh, a few years ago, lost his wife. So he came to the church. After the service, he went and met with two of our elders, Ken and Marsha Gorton. You know what he told me? They spent 30 minutes talking to me. 30 minutes. He's a business guy. He knows how much time is valuable. They spent 30 minutes answering my questions. Then they got my number, and uh, on uh, Monday or Tuesday, they called and said, hey, why don't you come to Wednesday night? We have these meals you can come to. Remember, he just lost his wife. And he said, yeah, I'll come. Why not? When he came, he sat at a table with a guy named Ray Schneider. And Ray said, hey, it's Wednesday, and we have this thing called men's fellowship, men's ministry. Why don't you go to men's ministry with me? Why not? So he went to men's ministry. Then at men's ministry, he learned there's another Bible study of men's ministry, I think the next morning or the next couple days, and so he went to that. And then somewhere along the line, he learned about this thing called grief share, and he needed that. And he went to that. Today, Lyle leads ministries. 
leads Bible studies in the men's ministry. And you know where Ray is? He's at home with the Lord. But he's left a tremendous legacy, isn't it? Ray's gone. And, oh, oh, yeah, Ray took him through, for, how could I forget this? Ray took him through Living Grounded one-on-one. What a tremendous legacy that Ray has left and now lives in Lyle, and Lyle's passing out on to others. Man, this is a place where you, could never, you should never feel alone, and when people embrace you, just look what can happen with Cammie and Lyle. Here's a place where you should never feel inferior, second class, or left out. Have equal concern for each other, 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Accept one another just as Jesus accepted you, Romans 15, 7. It doesn't matter where you come from, the color of your skin, your socioeconomical status. You know what? It doesn't even matter your lifestyle because we're all sinners here. And we all accept you because only Jesus can transform the heart. We can't send anyone a Fox News clip to transform their heart. Only Jesus can do that. And we're a bunch of sinners here. And we've got our issues. And we won't judge you. We're going to pray that God changes you just like he did us. Only Jesus can transform the heart. Here's the place where you're allowed to ask questions. You know how intimidating it is for some people when they come here and I say, turn to 1 John, and you flip right to it? Oh, my goodness. I must, this not, must not be the place for me. I don't know if it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Now, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, you're going to flip to John 1 John, right? Not saying... I'm not saying play ignorant, right? I don't know where it is either. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let this be a place where questions can be asked, where new people can grow, where we don't expect little babies to act like adults. Instruct one another. Romans 15, 14. Teach one another. Colossians 3.16. It's about time for some of you to take someone through living grounded. You've done it. We didn't do it just so you could sit on it. Did it so you could pass it along. 2 Timothy 2.2. Just like Ray did with Lyle and like Lyle's doing with others. Where you can be encouraged Encourage one another. Build each other up. Where you should never be asked to... Here's here's one. If we're doing this thing right, we never have to have an announcement or something in the program that we need people to serve someplace. Or we never have to stand up and say, you know, we're behind on our giving, so we really need to pick it up. By the way, we're behind on our giving and we need to pick it up. But we never have to say that. You know why? Because everybody's serving. That's what you do. That's what you do in fellowship. 
You find what your gift is, your passion. You get trained in it, and that's the best part of your week. You can't wait to serve. Now, I'm not saying everyone should serve in the nursery. I mean, that'll be like sticking pins in my eyes to serve in the nursery. I'm thankful people do. Don't judge. Some of you were judging me when I said that. I'm thankful people do and will challenge, but don't think everyone's going to serve in the nursery. But we will find a place, and we need you to serve. And sometimes you just have to stick pins in your eyes and go serve in the nursery, right? Actually, I love those little babies over there. They're cool. I take that back. Um, we'll find a place for you to serve where you use your passion and your gift, whatever it is. There's a place you're supposed to serve. It's a place where you don't hold grudges, bear with one another, forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other, where your sin is confronted. Fellowship is not just us standing around singing kumbaya by the campfire. Sometimes we got to say, hey, look, I love you too much. I'm invested in you way too much to let you talk like that, act like that, do those things. Time to come back home, isn't it? Where sin's confronted. Where you're cared for and prayed for. We pray for each other. It's a place where you're loved. All the one another passages gets gets guess which one gets the most print. Love one another. Truth and love. Speak the truth in love. Are we going to be that perfect church? No. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be striving toward it. And by the way, if you find a perfect church, don't go there. You will mess it up. <laughs> but we're all messed up here, right? And it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus transform the heart. It's only the Holy Spirit working in us who can allow us to experience true fellowship with God and it's only the Holy Spirit working in us where we can experience true fellowship with each other. So the cool part is we get to do that now. We get to experience that right now. Jim Lombach, one of our elders, is going to lead us in this. But we're going to take the bread and the cup a reminder that Jesus went to the cross and died just for you, just for me. And it's called what? Communion. Communion with God. We're doing that with him. We're thanking Jesus for what he did for us. And we're going to do it when Jim leads us in a second. You're going to take the cup and hold it. And we're going to do it together communion. We get to experience fellowship right now. So when you have the cup, if you're a believer, you can take it. If you're not a believer, let it pass. It doesn't matter. No one's looking. No one cares. We got our own business to deal with. But thank God for sending his son, Jesus Christ. Thank Jesus for the work he's done in your heart. Thank the Holy Spirit for the experience that he gives us to have fellowship with God. And then Ask, Lord, Lord, point something out in my life. Help me examine my heart. Is there anything I need to do to express fellowship in a biblical way? Anyone I need to ask forgiveness from? Any grudge I need to drop so that I can truly express 
fellowship the way you want me to. Lord, do your work, we pray, in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.